up welcome to the show this is the adf underground brought to you by all day football i am your host chris they call me chows what's up everybody i am so happy to finally be here on the podcast airwaves this is very exciting for me very exciting day for all day football as we take the next step in our progression but first off you know i'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has supported all day football over the years For those of you who don't know, you can find us at our website, allday-football.blogspot.com. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter. That's where all the magic happens, at Chris underscore ADF1. And you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook. Depending on how you consume your social media, both those accounts are ADF5000. Guess what, man? We're finally here. Football is back. Week one has taken off. So many implications for fantasy football. I mean, normally week one is kind of a crapshoot anyway. We we try to predict as much as we can. But you know what? Let's make this a recap show, and it'll kind of feed into um, what you should do and think about for next week for the waiver wire, for start, sit, and then also just watching the games and enjoying. Let's jump right in. I mean, there was a lot going on this week, so... Outside of the Antonio Brown situation, that is, of course, but we'll get to that later. Let's jump into Thursday's game, the the Packers and the Bears. So I was excited, just like everyone else, NFL 100 is is finally here. The Packers and the Bears on Thursday night football. So I expected quite a bit from this matchup, and it didn't really deliver. Um, the Green Bay Packers did show me something impressive on defense. That that defense looks good. I mean, I was always a supporter of what they did in the secondary. They've drafted extremely well. You know, cutting Clay Matthews kind of threw me for a loop because I didn't understand who they would actually have on that edge. But Smith, Smith, Preston Smith came through, came through quite well. He uh, he was a dominating force on that edge. Um, you know, and then even you have their middle linebacker, Blake Martinez. He showed very well. That defense really looked stout against the Bears. But, I mean, I was talking with some of our other peeps, and we were saying that my opinion was I don't think the Bears or the Packers won this game as much as the Bears lost this game. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky, he was – I don't want to go as far as to say that he was dreadful, but he wasn't He wasn't good. I, I expected a lot more – from him I mean his numbers weren't horrible but they weren't great he didn't find the end zone through the air he was what 26 of 45 for 228 and one interception I mean the Packers had him locked down one thing I didn't understand about this game and I think everybody shared the opinion is that how come rookie Montgomery David Montgomery wasn't in the game I mean he only saw a handful of carries. What, what did he see? He saw like six carries, seven touches overall. I mean, this is unacceptable. When, especially when 
he was he was ripping off runs, breaking tackles. He was an impressive impressive player. So I don't know. I didn't like that aspect of the Bears at all. The defense for the Bears started off extremely well. Khalil Mack and company, Raquan, Raquan Smith. He was he was a beast. Um, but Aaron Rodgers did find his way to to gash him on a couple big plays. They found the end zone to Jimmy Graham on a almost a jump jump shot play. But yeah, so the season started off okay on Thursday night. It wasn't the best contest, but you know what? Hey, we get them, we get them, and I'm okay with it. Moving forward to week two, we'll see. I'm I'm very curious to see how Coach Nagy adjusts adjusts the system because I think Montgomery is your man. Why are you flirting with Mike Davis? I mean, use Davis to spell to spell Monty, and then use uh, use Cohen as your as your third down change of pace back i mean this is how it has to be the positive for the bears out of this contest was alan robinson he was a machine and i've been preaching alan robinson all off season in one of our articles you can see on all day football it we do the uh, they're called adf spotlights where we highlight individual players uh before the season for fantasy football but he was excuse me he was he was something special on Thursday, the amount of targets he saw. And it just it, it didn't transpire. If he would have found the end zone, it would have been even better. He went 7 for 102. So that's a that's a fairly good night in my my opinion for, for how bad the offense played. Anyway, let's jump into Sunday. <clears throat> the games that just happened here on Sunday night or Sunday day. Uh, let's start off with the L.A. Rams going up against the Carolina Panthers. I... I'm one of these people who was convinced that Todd Gurley and his knee condition would not be an issue. From what we gathered, from what we saw, I mean, he only carried the ball 14 times and touched it once in the past game. How do you not feel like this is a problem for, especially for fantasy owners? I mean, 15 touches for a guy who has normally touched the ball around 20 times a contest. This is scaling him back. And I mean, it was interesting to see that Malcolm Brown was the one to spell him with 11 touches or 11 carries um, from the backfield. Uh, Rookie Henderson didn't touch the ball very much at all. But I mean, Goff is, or uh, Gurley is the train that pushes this offense. You can't have one without the other. This was my speculation from the beginning of the season that they were going to throw more with Goff to preserve Todd Gurley as the season goes on. I mean, could we see more situations where Gurley has certain games where he's going to have the 20 to 25 touches? I don't know anymore. This is an interesting thing. But, I mean, he still did put up 97 yards. He had a 6.9 average per carry, but didn't find the end zone. So, I mean, if he would have found the end zone, he would have saved his fantasy day and people would have been okay with it, especially for where you would have drafted him this year. But, I mean, I was all in on Jared Goff. And disappointed is the only way to put how Goff played today. I thought, you know, with Cooper Cup back, they would have lighted up the scoreboard, lit up the scoreboard, however you want to put it. Um, But that didn't happen. His numbers were very pedestrian, didn't even hit over 200, found the end zone once and threw a pick. So, I mean, 
I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, this is the week one, so let's not get too concerned just yet. They are the defending NFC champions, and for a reason. That defense looks solid. Um, they made Cam Newton struggle for the first half up to about the, the end of the third quarter. But let's discuss uh, let's discuss the opponent. Let's discuss the Panthers. Cam Newton, to me, um, looks extremely timid. He appears to be struggling with that injured shoulder, not because he can't throw the ball, but I think it's almost like fear has gone into his mind that he might re- get re-injured. Um, his reliance on Christian McCaffrey is to the delight of all fantasy owners, including me who own shares of CMC. This man just went off today, people. I don't even think you know. If you didn't catch the game, he had 19 carries for 128 yards, two touchdowns, added 10 receptions for 81 yards. I mean, this guy is a machine. Everything looks like it's going to, again, run through Christian McCaffrey. Cam Newton is trying his best to find his receivers downfield. I mean, DJ Moore had a decent game. Wasn't we, we recommended to sit DJ Moore this week, and I mean, I think we hit that one on the head. Yeah, he had seven catches. He did have that fumble. I don't know. I I'm not very much encouraged with what I saw from this Panthers offense in week 1. I think they have a a major uphill climb especially playing in the NFC South. You got the Saints, you got the Falcons. I mean, the Bucks to me are still the Bucks. So, we'll see what happens. The defense did actually play quite well. They kept uh, the Rams in check for most of the time, most of the day and gave their gave their offense a chance to come back in the in the game, excuse me. And yeah, I mean it wasn't the best contest, let's just put it that way. It was okay. It wasn't great, <clears throat> but it was enough entertainment. So moving right along, I mean, let's go to the next contest on our books here. And it is the Tennessee Titans traveling to the Cleveland Browns. So I know Twitter was lighting up on fire about how bad Baker Mayfield was playing and how bad this Cleveland Browns team was playing. The hype, man, everyone was pushing the hype that the Cleveland Browns were going to be the next great offense, a.k.a. second coming of the Chiefs, blah, 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 blah. Listen, this is week one, okay? I'm not going to go off the handle and say the Browns suck or the Browns aren't going to be a good team. They have all the pieces. Let's, let's, let's just put it right there. They are a team that should strive. The difference is is that they need to learn how to win. I mean, Odell Beckham is a vet. Jarvis Landry is a vet. You know, Baker needs to understand how to appropriately spread the ball around. I mean, everything we had said in the past is reliant on their head coach, Freddie Kitchens. He has to be the X factor. And it showed in week one, they were not prepared. They started the game okay. Um... But it was just not there. You could see that as the, in the second half, as they came out the gates, it was just not there. Tennessee adjusted appropriately, properly, and they took it to them. I mean, everything you can say about it, I have always... So first off, let's, let's go to Tennessee now. I mean, 
I am not a Marcus Mariota supporter anymore. I was, um, but he he impressed me today. I I was at the point of saying, you know what, it's time to think about benching Mariota, and let's see what Ryan Tannehill can do with this offense. Because, I mean, the Titans have a receiving core that should be feared by many in this league, especially now with the addition of A.J. Brown, this rookie. I mean, they have no excuses to not be good. And in my thought, in my eyes, it was Marcus Mariota and his poor decision-making. I mean, this is a contract year. Players normally like to step up their game just to get that paycheck. And, I mean, he, he, he proved himself well here in week one, especially on the road. I mean, that's super impressive to me. One thing I found very interesting was the commitment to the run with Derrick Henry. I think that was absolutely brilliant by the head coach. In the past, we've seen them get away from the run, and that hinders Mariota. So, I mean, this is something that I think is the staple and should be the staple for them. I mean, Mariota threw the ball 24 times today, hit the end zone three times. Um, I don't know. You know, he had only 14 completions, so that just tells you he is still missing his targets. He's missing his guys. But this offense was impressive today in the second half for the Titans. Um, This defense, uh, I can't say enough about this defense. I am a huge, huge fan of what these guys can do. I mean, Cam Wake was all over the field today. Um, Their secondary is just loaded. I don't know. I think if they play everything the way they did today, they're they're obviously not going to score 43 points per game. Um, That should be the anomaly. They should be around the 25-ish range per week. But I liked what I saw today. You know, they they went into Cleveland. They dominated a Browns team that was supposed to be putting up the 40 points per game, and they they held them to 13. So quite impressive um, by the Titans. But, I mean, again, they could be week two Jekyll and Hyde and, and put up three. So, Let's see how it works. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be one of these guys yet that's gonna be putting down the Cleveland Browns for what they did and didn't do on the field today. But I mean, it's a learning learning experience. I think the Browns needed to use Jarvis Landry a lot more. I think he is that X factor for this team as well on that on that receiving core. Odell's gonna be your guy, but I mean if you wanna move the sticks, you wanna keep it going on third down, go to Landry. He's gonna make it happen like he's done his entire career. So let's move on, moving ahead to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This game I had a great deal of interest in. Uh, Some of my colleagues we were discussing, was it possible that the Jacksonville Jaguars could upset the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes? It wasn't far-fetched when you did the analysis simply based on how strong the Jaguars defense still is or should be Um, they still have a lot of talent on that side of the ball but as we witnessed you know they just they couldn't do anything to stop Mahomes and company Uh, I mean today was the day of Sammy Watkins revival we have been supporters I have been supporters of Sammy Watkins ever since his days in Buffalo when he got drafted I truly felt he was the top, at that time, I truly felt he was the top 
prospect at the position simply based on talent and skill. I mean, I know Odell Beckham is dropping one-handed catches all over the field, but Sammy Watkins, to me, he was just all around a special talent. He had the size, he had the weight, he had the speed, he had the hands. He His route running is spectacular. I mean, his he can high point the ball. Sammy Watkins, to me, was the man, and he proved it today. And this is what I've been waiting to see. Um, it's tough to sit here and say that he can do that consistently just because he's been injured so many times. That has been his problem. So, I mean, today was a spectacular day for anybody who owns Sammy on their fantasy team. You were smiling ear to ear. He went 9 for 198 and three touchdowns. I mean, you can't make a better day fantasy football-wise. Or if you're a Chiefs fan, you were smiling. It was just fantastic. I mean, Mahomes was basically pinpoint perfect passer rating, if I believe. Oh, near perfect passer rating. I mean, he was fantastic. 378 for three touchdowns. He was great. And the other revelation, so here's the other thing with the with the Chiefs is the arrival of LeSean McCoy. So this became a big debate as well. I have never been a Damian Williams supporter. Um, Not because I don't respect the man's skill. I just don't think he is a three-down back, and I don't think he ever will be. We saw how he was in Miami. I mean, anybody can necessarily come, or the argument can be made that anybody can come and play on this Chiefs team and ball out because of how good this offense is. I think that's kind of where Damian Williams falls into play for me. With Shady back, with Andy Reid, now on this Chiefs offense, I think this is a magical conjunction. You are going to see, everyone says Shady is washed. I don't think so. He doesn't take a lot of hits. If you know Shady's game, he's the master of juke. You know, he can make people miss in a in a tight window, in a tight box. Has he lost the top end speed? I think he has. I mean, that just happens when you when you're 31 years old. But I mean, on this offense, you're gonna see McCoy dominate the touches, dominate the productivity. I mean, he didn't dominate the touches today, but he totally tear, tore it apart. I mean, he was 10 rushes for 81 yards, giving him an 8.1 per carry to Damian Williams 2.0 per carry and again I mean listen it is just week one but I am on Shady being the main back for this offense I think Damian still has a role and I think he plays very well you know I think that they will complement each other perfectly I mean when you look at the uh, remarks that LeSean was saying back in Buffalo is he was happy when the Bills signed Frank Gore to relieve some of the workload. So obviously maybe even Shady doesn't want to be the full-time workhorse back anymore because he understands that his body is going to break down. He has been a frequent visitor to the medical room. So, I mean, he wants to stay out of there and he wants to win a championship. So staying healthy for him is probably the best. So maybe we do see a 60-40 split. But either way, I mean, it's enough of it. We like what we saw uh, the Chiefs did have some bad news today, as did the Jags. Uh, Tyreek Hill has been injured. Uh, looks like it's his collarbone. Um, they're not saying at this point that he requires surgery from anything that I have read, but, I mean, Nick Foles also hurt his collarbone for the Jags, and he will require surgery. So he will be out for a long period of time, which puts a puts a pretty big wrinkle in, in what the Jags were, were trying to accomplish 
um, when they signed Foles. So, I mean, that was that game. Uh, the Chiefs won 40-26. to 26. What else can you say? The Chiefs dominated. Um, we still bet on the Chiefs to cover the spread, but we weren't going to be surprised if the Jags would have pulled this one out. Moving along, let's hit the Baltimore Ravens and the Miami Dolphins. So we maybe don't want to spend a lot of time on this because this was just a murder fest. I, I don't even know what to call it. It was a bloodbath. Baltimore came in to Miami. Everyone knows Miami is in tank mode. They want the number one overall pick in next year's NFL draft. Even if they don't want to say it, I'm going to say it because it's true. Um, we know how... Patriot disciples of Bill Belichick like to build their teams and uh, they will build it the same in Miami. They're going to want their own guys. So anyway, <clears throat> the Baltimore Ravens took it to the Dolphins 59 to 10. That's right. I said 59 to 10. That is Madden EA scores. I mean, the whole talk was for me in the offseason. I, I mean, I won't really cover the Dolphins because there's not much really to say I mean you got Fitzpatrick you got Rosen it's gonna be a struggle people for Miami if you own any Miami players I would suggest selling them immediately but I mean what are you gonna get for them um, even Kenyon Drake I just don't see much in in the form of positive positive play I mean you might get garbage time points I think that's the only way that you're gonna see it Baltimore's defense is good enough that they even stop that um, but let's jump right to the to the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, I mean, I was first, actually, let's back up. I was first preaching Mark Ingram hard in the offseason when he got signed by the Ravens. When, when have we seen the Ravens have an elite-level full-time running back in this offense? I mean, I can wait. You can't find it. I mean, this this was patch-made running backs to be a top running back, but they never were. They put up the numbers, but they never were, and they never had the skill that a player like Mark Ingram has. I'm all on board with Mark Ingram in this offense. I think it is absolutely phenomenal. What I found interesting was the split. We saw... Edwards take 17 carries where Ingram took 14 but I mean again that was because this game was so out of hand if if it was tighter I think we would have saw Ingram easily hit 25 touches from the from the backfield um, Lamar Jackson let's start talking about this guy I mean he is now the Twitter sensation everybody's everybody's loving him singing his praises and I mean, rightfully so. He was 17 to 20 for 324 and five touchdowns. How can you not get excited for this man at this point? He proved that he could throw the deep ball with accuracy. He proved he could throw the short pass with accuracy. And he took off and ran a few times. Nothing crazy, obviously. Three carries for six yards. But I mean, he wanted to prove that he could throw the ball. That was the point. That was something that I was very interested in seeing. I didn't believe, and I'll, I'll admit, I don't. I still question if he can be that guy. Um, is he Michael Vick? Is he better than Michael Vick? I mean, 
he looks a lot like Michael Vick. Let's let's not kid ourselves. But this was a game that everyone should be excited about in Baltimore. You tore apart the Dolphins. Your quarterback in his second year had an unbelievable contest. What I found even more interesting in this game was who Lamar was throwing the ball to. Looks like Marquise Hollywood Brown is the real deal. This guy is a burner. You're going to see on the waiver wire how many people are going to recommend picking up this man. He is fantastic, and he will be something. I just want to temper the expectations, though, because this is the Miami Dolphins. We don't want to get too carried away. One player that I am extremely excited about is Mark Andrews. I've been I've been saying him being a tight end one. He should finish the season easily as a top five tight end in fantasy football, especially with how they're going. I mean, you're going to run the ball, run the ball, play action pass, and you're going to hit your tight end if your receivers are covered. I mean, even in the red zone, he should start. He should at least get to eight to ten touchdowns this year if this is the standard of how this offense is going to go. But, I mean, it was a good day. Lamar spread the ball around to a lot of receivers. Uh, Willie Sneed got in the mix. Boykin got one, and Richard got one. I mean, what else can you say? This was a great game for the Ravens. I'm very curious to see um, what happens next week. But at this point, what can what else can we say? He played well, and, I mean, it's deserving to give him the props that he's due. So the next one we're going at here is the Atlanta Falcons traveling to Minnesota. This was an interesting matchup. I was extremely torn uh, doing my point spread evaluation and my picks. I think the Vikings were favored by four and a half um, where I took the under. I really thought the Falcons were going to play a lot better um, than they did. It had nothing to do with me believing that the Viking or the the Falcons were just going to walk into Minnesota and steal this contest. I thought it was going to be a tighter matchup than it was. The interesting thing was is that the Vikings didn't do anything spectacular in the pass game. Cousins threw the ball ten times. He completed it eight. I mean, he didn't even throw for a hundred yards. But this is going to be the Minnesota Vikings, if they can do this. They want to ride Dalvin Cook, who had a monster game today. He is back, people. We, I, have been preaching Dalvin Cook now the entire offseason. I ranked him in the ADF playbook, which is our fantasy football guide. Shameless plug. We put him almost in our top five. I was so close to put him in the top five. I think I had him ranked as number seven. I was preaching him to everybody. Everyone said, what do you feel about Dalvin Cook? I said, you go get him and you get as many shares of him as you can. He proved it today. He looked good. He looked healthy. That knee, the speed was there. It looked good. I was I was extremely impressed. Cousins, on the other hand, I would like to see a little bit more, but I think this was a smart move by the coaching staff. Gary Kubiak is now there as an offensive specialist, and I think he understands more than most people know on how to create confidence in your passer. And that is one of the most important things, I think, for Kirk Cousins moving forward with his progression in this offense. 
he is not clutch. He, that is his biggest problem. And I think if you build a man's confidence, and Gary Kubiak knows how to do this, Kirk Cousins will be a more efficient passer. He will not make those mistakes. And with the running of Dalvin Cook, if he can stay healthy, I don't know. I like what I see in Minnesota. That defense played lights out today too. They shut down Julio Jones for the most part until the end. What else can you say? So moving to the Falcons side, I mean, I was disappointed. I really thought, I mean, so let me let me say this because I've been on record before saying anytime Matt Ryan gets a new offensive coordinator, I mean, I know Dirk Cutter was there before, but anytime Matt Ryan gets another offensive coordinator, he struggles immensely for the first half of the season to comprehend the playbook. This was same with Kyle Shanahan. This was the same when Steve Sarkeesian came. And again, now this this system shouldn't be extremely difficult to learn because I think he's already been there. I mean, the one the one caveat is I believe Matt Ryan threw one of his worst seasons of interceptions with Dirk Cutter and I mean this game didn't look good either he threw two picks today too I mean he did hit 300 yards but I mean he was very indecisive the run game just wasn't there I don't know Julio was was struggling to get room I didn't like any aspect of the Falcons today um Xavier Rhodes he just he shut down Julio so I mean yeah, I this game was nothing to write home about if you're a Falcons fan, if you own Falcons players for fantasy football. Again, it's week one. I'm not going to panic. I think the Falcons will improve. The defense on the Falcons, what is up with that defense, man? You guys were letting up plays after plays. You were getting gashed all over the place. How can Dan Quinn not have this resolved by now? I mean, I'll ask anybody. Give me the answer because I don't have one anymore. I don't understand how Dan Quinn can't have this figured out. But hey, it's week one. Let's give him a break. We'll see what they do in week two. So one of the other games I was watching quite closely was the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. Some may wonder why, but I am a Buffalo Bills fan. I'll get it out there right now. I'm not ashamed. Bills Mafia, baby, let's go. Listen, I was keen, keen on watching this, not because I'm a homer, but I I like to understand what the team is doing. If you're building progressively, fantastic. So watching Josh Allen and this offense, this new look offense, now without LeSean McCoy, they have John Brown, Cole Beasley, rookie Devin Singletary. I was curious. I mean, a new offensive line? This team is trying their best in season two to give Josh Allen all the weapons he needs to progress. So when the first half began, it was 
ugly. Ugly. It was unbelievable. I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was like game one, game two of his rookie season. He's running for his life. Josh Allen, I'm speaking of. And he couldn't find his receivers. And see, even when you look at what the Jets were doing, the Jets were playing fantastic football. C.J. Mosley, people. If you weren't a believer in the man's abilities before this game, go and rewatch the game. When he got injured in the second half and was taken out, you go and see why the Bills came back and won that game. C.J. Mosley single-handedly was stifling the Bills' offense. When he was ruled out, I can't remember when he got ruled out. I think it was late in the third Yeah, the game totally changed. The Bills were able to run the ball and run it successfully. Singletary had four carries for 70 yards. He ripped off, I remember, a few over 20 easily because the offense or or Mosley wasn't on that defense anymore. It was incredible. But at the same token, I want to say Josh Allen did perform quite well in that fourth quarter. He had enough gumption, find his receivers. He found John Brown. Big plays to John Brown. John Brown finished 7 for 123 in a touchdown. Waiver wire addition, hint, hint. They looked okay. I mean, for all the Bills fans, I mean, the Bills looked okay, but at least they won, right? So now let's go to the Jets. Nothing to be mad at. The Jets were good. They weren't great. Adam Gase, I think, has been somewhat figured out when it comes to the second half. His adjustments are vanilla. They're weak. He should have changed the approach. He kept going to the same script, and it just didn't work. The Bills were able to stop everything the Jets had. And, I mean, Jamison Crowder, he had 14 catches. The Bills were allowing you to do this. Quick dump off over the middle, Jamison Crowder. Stop him on third down. This is what happened. If you're a Jets fan or you own players on the Jets, you should be angry because he did not change the game plan. Moving ahead. Let's go to the Eagles and the Redskins. This one was very interesting. The spread opened up. I think Vegas had them at minus 10. I took them to cover. Stupid, but I took it. I My thought process was that Philadelphia would be able to dominate at home against Case Keenum. What I totally had undervalued was how good the Redskins' defense really is. They are talented, and people don't think so, but they are extremely talented. They have a lot of good pieces on that defense. And then the offense was able to start fast. What did they have? They had a 17-point lead going into the second quarter. I mean... kudos to the Eagles for figuring it out. But, I mean, if we look at what the Redskins were able to do, I mean, forget Case Keenum at this point. I mean, he's not going to do that every week as we've seen. I mean, 
unless something has changed so good in in Washington, this is this is gonna be a similar thing for Case Keenum. Um, he did put up 380 and three touchdowns, which was impressive. What I didn't like was the lack of commitment to their run game. I mean, this was a common thread in this one. I didn't understand. You had this is what lost you the game. You were up by 17 points, and you continue to throw the ball. I mean, I just I simply couldn't understand. Geis and Thompson had a total of 13 carries. This is why you lost the game, Washington. But positives. Let's go to the positives. Terry McLaurin, Ohio State. I love this guy. He, I was preaching him in the draft. I was saying this guy is going to be fantastic. Scouts underlooked him, overlooked him because he didn't have that much productivity in college. Sometimes you have to look past that and understand what the skill is. He is a great route runner. He's got great hands, and he's got fantastic speed. He proved it. He gashed that Philly secondary. Gashed him. He was 5 for 125 and a touchdown. He he put on a show. He was good. Anyway, the Eagles... You guys were able to come back from 17 down. That is impressive. Don't care who you are. That is impressive. Deshaun Jackson, one of the players on our start-sit list for week one. Hint, hint. This is what we do. I was preaching D Djax to be one of the top point getters this week, and he lit up the scoreboard as well. Wentz found him deep. I think Djax is going to lead this team in receptions, in yardage, and potentially touchdowns, depending on if Carson Wentz stays healthy. This was a good game, though. I I like the, the fight in the Eagles. They came back. They showed me something. It was quite positive. So, I mean... What else can you say? It was good. I liked it. Want to see improvement on a lot of sides, both teams, but it was good. Going to the Colts and the Chargers now. This game was very interesting as well. I don't know what to expect. I didn't know what to expect from the Colts without Andrew Luck, with Jacoby Brissett. I was very low. People were very high, medium. I just, I'm low on Jacoby Brissett. He's good. But he's not who you want to build your team around. He'll keep you in games, but he won't win you those games. This has been his history. But he did make a case for himself today. He found T.Y. T.Y. Hilton a number of times. The Colts were able to run the ball extremely well. Marlon Mack had a day. I mean, even if you look at Jacoby's numbers, he was quite efficient. He was 21-27 for 190 and two touchdowns. So you can't hate on him. He was good. I just won't be starting him. Marlon Mack, he impressed me. I mean, this Chargers defense, I don't know. I mean, I understand that Derwin James is not here. He's on injured reserve right now. But how do you guys allow this team and Marlon Mack to just run all over you for seven yards of carry? You guys got a lot of stuff to figure it out there in Los Angeles. But again, I mean... What do you say? Rivers, he did what he does, always does, 300, 2, 3, 
four touchdowns. He had three today. He did well. Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen were the show today. They put up big numbers. Went to overtime. Eckler, I believe, was the man to seal the deal. He scored three today. Big win for the Chargers in that NFC West. The Colts, on the other hand, I could see their their division kind of be a little bit more competitive where even if they do stumble, they could make up for it. The Chargers, they can't with the way the Chiefs operate, the way the Chiefs play. There's going to be no room for any stumble. So it's a big win for the Chargers. The Seahawks and the Bengals. This one was extremely close, a lot closer than I had figured. I thought being in Seattle, the 12th man behind you, I thought for sure they were going to light him up. It didn't happen. And this is why we play the games, right? That's 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 the thing in the NFL. This is why we play the games. The Seahawks barely won with by the skin of their teeth, 21 to 20. You know, there were many positives from the Hawks game. Russell Wilson didn't look like himself though. He I don't know, it's just something about the game. He just didn't look like himself. He had moments. He found the rookie Metcalf deep. He found Lockett one time for a touchdown. The run game never got established, and this is something that I thought, and I mean, I, I'm not alone here. Everyone in the industry had Carson, Chris Carson, running a show today. He 100 yards was going to be the staple. Everything after that was gravy. I mean, I just it just didn't happen. It was a very interesting contest. The Bengals did impress me. Andy Dalton looked like a machine. He was he was very precise. He was finding John Ross. This one was the revelation. No AJ Green and John Ross came to play. Is he a player? And are we finally seeing it? Because again, he was one of these talented players that was always fighting injuries, always in the medical room. Is he now ready to take the next step in his progression to be that top receiver? I don't know. I'm staying on the fence on, on Ross at this point. But, I mean, look who's running the show now in Cincinnati. Former uh, Sean McVay disciple, Zach Taylor. I mean, this is what the NFL is moving toward. Young, offensive-minded geniuses who can have a different outlook on the game, spread the offense out, spread the opposing defense out, hit them deep downfield. Unfortunately, the Bengals did lose Joe Mixon. I'm hearing it is a ankle injury. Not sure how severe it is, but it is something to take notice. Giovanni Bernard will be a top candidate this week for waiver wire. You can catch that on Tuesdays on All Day Football. Next up, we have the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals. This one was extremely, extremely interesting to me because I am a Kyler Murray fan. I have, I had to grow to like the man, I'll be honest. I was never full-on supportive of Kyler Murray simply because of the height. I mean, I knew he was talented, but this guy is a machine. Once he gets going and understands, 
I mean, some of those passes, if you saw late in the game, the toss that he made to Larry Fitzgerald was a dime. It was pinpoint in the bread basket, only spot where his team teammate Larry Fitzgerald could make the catch. It was unbelievable. They were down. They looked bad. Nobody's going to tell you different. Murray was making bad throws, throwaways that he was throwing in the field across his body. He should have been throwing them away. He finished with 300-plus and two touchdowns. David Johnson had an 82. Not his best day. Larry, the ageless wonder, the future Hall of Famer, 8 for 113 and a touchdown. What else can you say? This guy just doesn't lose his skill. And this is what I've been saying. I understand that the defense has its issues in Arizona, and they're going to continue until Patrick Peterson comes off suspension. They showed me heart allow their rookie quarterback to take charge and send this to overtime. This game came out in a tie, 27 all. I mean, you for where you started, that's like a win for the Cardinals. Detroit, I mean, I can't hate on Matthew Stafford. Some people hate on him, think he's not as good. I think he's good. Carry on Johnson, I can't say anything positive at this point. I am not a supporter of the man. He's okay in my books. He's got he's got skills, but the man I want to talk about, or the two men I want to talk about in Detroit, who I have been preaching all offseason, is Danny Amendola and TJ Hawkinson. These two will be the catalysts to anything successful that Detroit will have this season. Kenny Galladay is your guy. He is your game breaker. But if you want to set it up, you're going to be setting it up all day with Hawkinson and Amendola. These guys went off today. They ate Hawkinson 6 for 131 and 1 touchdown. Danny Amendola 7 for 104 and a touchdown. These guys will have their days. They may not always see the end zone but they will be heavy yardage pullers and heavy PPR point-per-reception players. Believe me, it's going to be. Giants and the Cowboys. This one is extremely interesting because the Cowboys showed me a lot today. When they got Zeke tied up in his contract now, no excuses. This team's defense is for real. Dak Prescott, to me, was the question mark. He proved me wrong again. Granted, it is the New York Giants defense. So again, it's like the Baltimore Ravens situation with the Dolphins. Maybe not quite severe. But Dak played very well. Found all his receivers. I mean, I don't think you had any one of them not have a good day. A good looking day. Even Randall Cobb. Four for 69 and a touchdown. Dak was spreading the ball around. They didn't even have to run the ball that much. By the time it got to the point, Zeke didn't have to do much at all. Dak went for 405 and four touchdowns today. Think about that. Impressive. The Giants. Oh, my goodness. The Giants. 
I feel bad for Saquon Barkley. So I had him lower on my my draft boards for fantasy football only because I knew how bad this Giants offense was going to be. I mean, Eli wasn't bad today. He went for over 301 touchdown. He didn't lose this game for this team. The defense just couldn't stop the 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 Cowboys massive onslaught. And I mean it is what it is, right? Barkley still had a good day rushing. He could, he didn't find the end zone, you know. He wasn't used as much in the past game as I thought they might have. But, I mean, he'll have better days. But on this team, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, this team isn't built right now to compete in the strong NFC, the Giants I'm speaking of. The Cowboys, on the other hand, they look like they could be a contender. And I know that's crazy to say in week one. But I'm a strong, firm believer in this defense behind their their linebackers, Van Der Esch and uh, and the other guy's name, forgot his name, Jalen Smith. I believe this tandem will make this Cowboys team rise to the next level. And they started today. It was fantastic. The 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game was ugly. Nothing great. It was two teams that I believe are going in different directions. I believe the Niners are trying to find the next level of improvement. They're getting there. They're very close. They still have a lot of refinement. They lost Tevin Coleman today to, I believe it was an ankle. Uh, First report says that Kyle Shanahan is a little concerned I'm upset about that one because I had high hopes on Tevin Coleman to be the lead in that backfield. But, I mean, we'll see what comes out from the report. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't horrible. He did have that bad pick six. He threw to Hardgraves. I mean, outside of that, Kittle was your man. But when it comes to Tampa Bay, what else can you say about Jameis Winston? I have never been a full-on supporter of the guy's work. And now, I mean, you have Bruce Arians, who is a very intelligent man who can make any passer better. I don't know. I'm at the point where I'm going to start saying that Jameis Winston is bad at football. This man, I believe they put up a stat saying it was like 70-plus turnovers in a certain period of time, which is the worst in the NFL. All this man does is turn the ball over. How can you trust him, fantasy football-wise, as your team? How how can you trust this guy? I can't. I can't. Godwin found the end zone. He was on our potential big day list. Evans had a stinker, let down a lot of people. Two for 28. I mean, that that was just awful. But this game, there wasn't much. I mean, the Niners the Niners came out on top. They found a way to, to overcome in the second half. Richard Sherman made a nice pick. Um, but, yeah. So let's move on to the Sunday nighter, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the New England Patriots. What else can we say? The Antonio Brown saga is, I don't want to say finally over, but it's found its next area of discussion where he has found his way to the new england patriots he's he was unable to play in tonight's contest but he will be able to suit up for week two against the dolphins god help him 
this is a very interesting, interesting game. I went in thinking that the Pittsburgh Steelers would at least put up something of a fight. They looked flat, uninterested, didn't want to be there, almost like it looked like their dog died. Tom Brady picked them apart like he always does, spreading the ball around, nickel and diming everybody down the field. I don't know. Pittsburgh, you have got a lot of issues to fix. I'm one of the ones who isn't necessarily not a believer in Juju Smith-Schuster. I believe he has talent. I believe he is a good player. Do I believe that he is ready to be the top player for this offense like Brown was? I That's where I questioned it, and I wasn't willing to invest high draft capital to get him because of this situation. People tend to forget. I mean, when you look back to last season, Antonio Brown had, I believe, 160-plus targets. Juju had 160-plus targets. 160 targets are now gone when Brown left. And now you're expecting Juju to beat double teams and face off against the top defensive backs on each defense each and every week and be successful. I mean, it's a it's a difficult task. I mean, I didn't like how the game transpired for Pittsburgh either. They weren't committed to the run. The pass plays were horrible. Um even when they got down Tom Brady, he was just it was Tom Brady, you know. He had rust. You could tell he was missing targets. He was missing his receivers. Missed his uh, running back coming out of the backfield. I mean, that's not like Tom Brady because that's his game, going short, nickel and diamond you all the way down. But he he was he was good. And and next week we see Antonio Brown come fit in with Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman. Good lord, we are going to see a show. Who wants to make bets right now that it's a sixty plus game again? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like what I saw from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a lot of problems. They're going to have a lot of problems. If they don't find a way to establish the run and continue with the pass, you're going to see massive, massive changeover on this roster. Possibly no more Big Ben. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But week one was not a good showing. Don't want to, don't want to, sell it too much that the season's already over after week one, obviously, but it's a concern in our eyes, in my eyes. So moving right along to conclude week one of the NFL, Monday night football, we were treated to a doubleheader, and the first contest between the Saints and the Texans was a beauty. No kidding. I was extremely impressed with Deshaun Watson and his performance. He was lights out. I mean, if anybody had to question whether or not Watson would take the next step in his progression, I think it was answered tonight. He was on point. He was hitting his receivers from the pocket, which was extremely impressive. He was beating coverages. He was beating the man. He was beating zone. It was a thing of beauty. And Drew Brees, I mean, the Saints, 
they came out a little bit flat. I would have liked to have seen them come out a little bit better than what they did. But the adjustment in the second half was uh, fantastic. It was glorious. The defense came a little bit more with the blitz. Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara started to connect. Kamara started running the ball more. The commitment to the run was there. It was a good game. I was impressed also with the Texans when you talk about Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson. Duke had a couple big plays. Carlos Carlos really impressed me, Carlos Hyde. He, he was running the ball with with power, with speed. He looked good. I mean, and even when you talk about the Texans and how their receiving core, Will Fuller made a catch and a half deep right over top of the defender. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, what else can you say about him? He is perhaps arguably the best receiver in the NFL, and he showed it today. Beating the slants, it was it was it was a good game. But if you stayed up to watch the entire thing, this game was the best game by far of week one, and the finish didn't disappoint. I mean, Breeze took the Saints down the field, scored, took the lead with just under a minute left, if not over a minute left in the contest. And Deshaun Watson made unbelievable plays to cap it all off with a Kenny Stills touchdown, leaving about 38 seconds, I believe, left on the clock. I was sitting there saying, wow, this is unbelievable what I just witnessed. But then you can't give Drew Brees any amount of time to gash you in a contest. He will take it. He will take advantage of it. Just like Tom Brady does. You give him 20 seconds on the clock. He'll manage to find a way in a field goal range. And this is what he did. Drew Brees found a way to make a few plays. Clock management was absolutely fantastic. I was under uh, the thought process that they should have took their last time out when there was about 10, 12 seconds left on the clock. But they let it run down to about six, and then they spiked the ball. Still got off one play, gained that extra seven yards, which was able for Lutz to get that 58-yard field goal, and he nailed it. What a contest. Uh, it was unbelievable. Both both teams played lights out. Both teams showed me a lot. Both defenses played well. There was some – I mean, the score isn't indicative of how, how well the defenses played. They both played extremely well. Um, but the offenses took charge. And Deshaun Watson, I mean, he's he's on the next level. And, I mean, I think his ceiling is even higher. He can still grow to be that player. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a game to watch, that's for sure. So wrapping things up with Monday Night Football, the Oakland Raiders hosted the Denver Broncos in what was a compelling contest simply because of all the drama surrounding the Raiders with Antonio Brown uh, forcing his exit uh, and finding his way to the New England Patriots. Uh, this game started off very interesting, to say the least, uh, simply because the Raiders looked like they had something to prove. And, I mean, they wanted to show the NFL in primetime and all the all the spectators that one player does not make this club better or worse. They obviously 
came out with a chip on their shoulder and it, and it showed Derek Carr played extremely well. He was very efficient, um, basically throughout the entire contest. I mean, he had a couple sidesteps here and there, uh, but he was, he was playing very well. We were, we were quite happy to see that, um, Tyrell Williams was his obvious favorite target. He was gashing the, the Broncos secondary on more than one occasion. Um, rookie Josh Jacobs looked very well. He found the end zone twice. That was very good to see. Um, as for the Broncos, I mean, uh, we were quite disappointed. The defense uh, was trying their best once again to keep the game close and to keep them alive. But the uh, Joe Flacco in this offense, I don't know what was going on for majority of the game, um, but they looked disinterested, uh, unorganized, uh, unprepared. It was it was something definitely unexpected from from me uh, to see uh, from from what Denver. I, I I thought Denver would have come out a little bit more uh, gung ho to say that they wanted to prove a point in the AFC West. Um, but yeah, I mean they 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 stepped it up late. In the game, Flacco found Sanders late for a touchdown to, to pull him within a touchdown. Um, but in the end, it wasn't enough. So um, the Raiders come away with the win, and they looked rather decisive doing it. Uh, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the best I think we're going to see from this Raiders, but maybe, maybe it will be. Um, they got a tough schedule ahead of them, but they played admirably today. Uh, John Gruden had his troops prepared properly and uh and yeah they took it to the broncos today so uh the broncos should be a little bit discouraged with their performance and the raiders should be enthralled they, they played very well so ending that on that note thanks for listening to the first podcast for the adf underground we appreciate you we will be back every either Monday or Sunday or Monday for uh, the recap of the week. And we will be trying to drop our pods for uh, start, sit, lineup advice for fantasy football, uh, more than likely Friday or Saturday. We're still kind of trying to iron out the schedule, but thanks for listening. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We are on currently on iTunes and Spotify. Hopefully we'll be branching out to other locations as well. So, of course, hit that subscribe button. Never miss a beat. All Day Football is here. ADF Underground is here. We appreciate you. Thanks for listening. Stay humble. Stay peaceful. Take care of each other. I'm out.